Welcome to the Bye Bitches podcast. Today we are discussing the finale of season one, Survivor Borneo. And with us today is a very special guest, runner-up Kelly Wigglesworth. Kelly's not only a OG Survivor castaway, but also a professional class five river guide. We've got some connections there. Humanitarian, TV host, producer, writer, and a mom working hard to make the world a kinder place. And I love that. As a member of the very first alliance on Survivor, Kelly played a fascinating game. And 23 years later, we're still talking about it today. And welcome, Kelly. Thank you thank for you being so here. much. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Oh, thank you. We were just um, reflecting. So CG, my daughter, um, when this came out, I was breastfeeding. She's 23. <laughs> She's wow. the same age you were when you were on <laughs> the show. And Mm -hmm. this is one of her favorite shows. I got to say, I'm kind of late to the party now. I remember when it came out, but, you know, as a mom, how old is your your son now? He is nine. Nine. Okay. Mm -hmm. And um, I was literally in the middle of breastfeeding and I I remember the hoopla around the show and everything, but I didn't ever watch it in detail or I did watch some of it. And I think um, I'm just... And it, it's just so fun to go back and watch this in in the purest form. The the show was it was never played again the same. But before we get into too much of Survivor, I just wanted to catch up with you because I'm sure my first thought was as we were doing this, I thought, I wonder if she ever gets tired of talking about Survivor. <laughs> <laughs> Not in a bad way, but just like there's so many other things that you do in your life currently in the last 23 years, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, to answer your question, no, no, no. And yes. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't, I don't get tired of talking about it, but it's, but it's not something I talk about every day. Like I don't walk around like, Hey, by the way, I have, you know, I was on survivor. I have lots of leather bound books and, you know, I'm kind of a big deal kind of thing. So I only talk about it when people ask me and when people ask me every, I've never had anybody, you know, be rude or, you know, a jerk about it. So people who ask are fans and they want to know, and they're interested and I'm, you know, I'm happy to talk about it. So, you know, ask away any questions you want to know. I'm more than happy to talk about it, but at the same time, it is really funny. Like it's been 23 years, you know? Yeah. And I'm the um, same age as survivor. So. Yeah. And so, so I was actually 22 when I did it. And then I turned 23 the summer of before the finale. And, um, you know, like you said, it was just, it was the first one. It was super new. It was wild. It was weird. It had never been done before. And it's never been the same since, you know, and I always wondered, I'm like, how is that still, it just seems like a one shot thing. Like you can't ever, like everybody knows, you know, the curtain's been pulled, you see who Oz is and it's done. So it just always kind of amazes me that it, they're still able to, you know, to keep it going. And um, obviously you were a bit busy as a mom during that time to pay, pay too much attention, but yeah, I'm like, wow, people still, you know, people still talk about it. People are still into it. And I think um, there was a big sort of resurge of that first one um, during and post COVID. Um, I got a lot of people reaching out to me and I think, um, in their own way, people could kind of relate a little bit going through their own sort of COVID experience, you know, being isolated or maybe being stuck with people they didn't want to be stuck with kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I did notice a, a big, you know, sort of jump in like that season one, you know, after COVID. So everyone's like, on their own little island. <laughs> That's such a great correlation that um, 
you know, we went through such an unprecedented time, but the show itself was unprecedented. And I mean, one of the things that I think is interesting, why there's, there's a huge generation of people who caught on to survivor maybe in season 10 and didn't watch the beginning. In -hmm. fact, the, just the, one of the connections here is one of my best friends, my publicist, Cheryl is a huge fan, but she's also Dave, your manager's um, oh, yeah. best friend. And, and, and I've known <laughs> awesome. Dave, your manager for years, you know, take us, take us to the Hollywood bowl. I thought it was such a oh, small funny. world, but it's such a small world. Um, so I'm grateful to Dave Ruddy for, yeah, you know. Dave, shout out to Dave. <laughs> well, yeah. He was like, how did, how do you know her? Like, how did she get in touch? I was like, she just reached out and he was like, well, I didn't, how come I didn't know? I'm like, well, now you do. But right. <laughs> so that was really funny. Yeah. So in fact, I was talking to Cheryl um, and she was saying uh, how much she, oh my God, I'm obsessed with the show. And she said, but I've never seen season one. And I was like, you've got to go back because if you are into the show now, and honestly, I think that's one of the things that because I did, I did watch the show, but I don't know that I got to see every episode, but I, when I would watch the other ones, it didn't feel as pure. And I thought it was really fascinating to see how, just joyous everyone was to start this thing. And some people came in with a, a, you know, obviously you were part of this original thing. And I thought it was so interesting that some people thought this is going to be about who can survive the elements and the best man wins. Sonia said that I think at the, at the reunion and you guys, but you guys were already, you knew it was a game or did you know it? Or was it just rich that came in? Like, well, it was kind of just rich. I mean, I, I sort of had that same, um, you okay. <laughs> I was like, you made that was like, that was a, oh, okay. that was a painful face. Okay. Hold on. Um, See, so you got into it. Um, I fell. Oh and my. This is <gasps> me right now. What so, happened to you? I was on a run and I tripped and fell. I oh, broke no. out. The yeah. most just stupid oh, way my. to hurt myself. Gosh, so the only I'm reason so it hurt sorry. is because I have this right now. <laughs> oh, okay. I was so sorry. Oh, poor thing. That that's not good. Um, this well, only happened be- on Sunday. So yeah. I'm so great. you're like, you're here, honey. Yeah, I love I'm you. I'm okay. 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 Well, I'm sorry to hear that. I'm glad you're okay. She's in Chicago. Um, <laughs> oh, well, yeah, I just, I kind of had that same naive, like, cause we did, we didn't know we didn't, ha- we had no information. We really just had, okay. Borneo, 16 people, 39 days, $1 million survive. Um, and I think it wasn't, in the contract, it was like, the game wasn't really explained to us. We didn't know the rules. We weren't told like, okay, this, this, and this, and this is going to happen. I think it was only when we got there that they said, okay, every three days you're going to do this and someone has to go. Um, so I say my thought, like, it's just going to be so hard and so challenging that, it'll just be sort of obvious who's going to need to go, or maybe people are going to tap out or get injured and that type of thing. So for me, at first, it wasn't this whole premeditated alliance thing. Um, I was just kind of taking it day by day just to see how it was going to unfold and and how I was going to unfold basically. And um, yeah, Rich was really, you know, the mastermind of, of the whole alliance thing, because then it became obvious, well, yeah, if you want to get any further, like we got to kind of, kind of plan something. <laughs> well, it's interesting. I mean, to do the, the, I guess the research that I've done that he he claims that he actually, before he even got to the Island was preparing. And I think that's what everyone does now. Right. Oh, sure. Right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Now. I mean, and I'm sure he was, you know, he's that, he's that type of person, but um, yeah, from, 
you know, Borneo season one to when I went back to Cambodia season 30, which by the way, I was still breastfeeding my son, mm-hmm. um, up until I got on the plane to go. And, um, wow. yeah, that was, that was really fun to <laughs> go through that process while being in the Cambodian jungle. Um, but you know, we got there and it was like, I'm it felt, I'm like standing on the beach, like holding bamboo, like, okay, let's make a shelter. And everyone's off in the woods, like whispering, already making their alliance. And we're not even like an hour into it. And so that was, that was kind of a bummer. You know, I was like, well, aren't we gonna, and people are already talking about throwing challenges and this and that. And I'm like, well, we're supposed to like be a team at first. I mean, that was really um, and, you know, maybe Richard had another agenda that I just didn't hear about until later on. But at first, I mean, we really were like, all right, let's be a team and do what we need to do first as a team. And then let's kind of worry about what happens after, because the mentality was, yeah, be a team, win your challenges. If you don't win, then let's go to a plan B. And like day one of the, of Cambodia, they were already like, all right, we're going to throw this so we can get this person out and me and you and this and that. And I was um, yeah, it was, it was fast. And like, you couldn't even, I mean, Borneo, I was like, I'm going to go walk off for hours and look for coconuts. And second time around, it's like, you better not leave the group or your 17 other positions are going to happen and you're out, you know, cause you're not part of that. What's happening there. So it's almost like it different. turned into big brother on the Island. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Very good. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, Whenever people pop- ask what Big Brother is, I always say like, imagine Survivor, but in a house, because that's exactly after the first two or three seasons of Survivor, it's exactly what it turned yeah. into. It's like a massive switch to no, we're playing game, we're cutthroat, we're going to be yep. different people for a few weeks, mm-hmm. and then go back to normal life. I remember making almost a conscious choice because I did it was so brand new and none of us in 2000 and it was so groundbreaking and nobody expected to be this juggernaut that it was 51 million viewers for this finale. And I mean, I've been on a show that was quite popular at 8 million, you know, and it's not, it was, it was just, it took the whole industry by storm and changed television as we know it. And I remember as soon as watching the next, some of the checking into some of the other seasons and going, I'm missing out on the interaction with people. It seemed to be so, um, so much more about the competitions. And Mm -hmm. I felt like I liked that um, interaction that you guys had. Yeah. Well, we had no idea, you know, season one, we had no idea it was ever going to make the air. You know, we didn't, that was in our contract. It was, you know, they said, okay, we're going, we're doing this. We'll be there for 39 days. We're filming it, but all 13 episodes have to air. Otherwise nobody gets anything because everybody gets something depending on like, if you're first voted off, it's, you know, a thousand bucks or whatever, you know, so everybody gets something depending on how far you make it. And that, yeah, I actually still have the contract. It says, you know, all 13 episodes must air or, you know, thanks for playing good times. Like nobody gets anything. So yes. I mean, we knew they were making a TV show obviously, but that really wasn't, Cause that was no guarantee and mm-hmm. there was no social media. There was none of that. So at least for me going into it, that like the whole, like, Oh, there's, it's going to be on TV. Like that. So like that didn't matter because that might not happen. And if it doesn't make it on TV, nobody wins any money. So 
that really wasn't like a huge motivation because that might not happen either. Um, I just wanted to know if I could do it. I just wanted to see if I could do this thing. And that was really, um, you know, the motivation for me because I had been a river guide. I had, you know, doing all these things, but I always, you know, had the water filter and the sleeping bag. And, and then once you're there, yeah, you're, the cameras are around, but day two, you're like, forget about it. They're the least, cause you're really, you know, camp was yes, you go and do the challenges, but it was the day to day. Like you would have to do math of, okay, if we have to go to a challenge later and I need to expend, you know, X amount of calories to do that. If I spend X amount of calories trying to go fish or look for coconuts or whatever, am I going to have enough energy to do this later? Is that the most challenging thing for you personally? Or I mean, for everybody, but you personally, was it the, I mean, being a guide, obviously um, you're outside, you know, the outdoors, the exposure, but is the hunger, I mean, it, it looked, it was real. It was intense. Oh, absolutely. It was absolutely real. Um, you know, that, like you said, I mean, the elements and, and that the actual like survival part, that wasn't so hard for me. And I, I, you know, I studied a lot. I was, um, reading books about, uh, tribes of Borneo and how they lived and how they made their shelters and what they ate. And, um, you know, the Borneo jungle is like everything, you know, everywhere I read, it was like, quote unquote, the Borneo jungle is the most inhospitable (laughs) jungle in the world with like the most everything that'll kill you, you know, plants, snakes, insects, don't touch this plant because it'll leach a fluid that'll make you blind and, you know, everything. So, um, you know, that part was, was obviously challenging, but I was prepared for that, but it was the psychological, uh, psychological warfare, I guess you could say that, um, that was really challenging. And again, that was, unfolding as we went, you know, now new contestants like, okay, you know, this is going to happen. Here's your blueprint go. We didn't know. And um, again, you know, I was like, is anybody going to like, who's going to watch this? Who would watch this? Is anybody really <laughs> going to watch this? I mean, this could be really boring. This could be, you know, really exciting. Um, but yeah, I think that was, um, was sort of the hardest. And you had talked about, you know, putting big brother out in the jungle. And I, I, people ask me and I'm like, you know, imagine like the worst high school click you could think of, like the standout from every like annoying group. And then you're stuck together in the woods and it's kind of like, <laughs> well, so because it was brand new and obviously it was a time of no social media and anything like that. How did you hear about survivor? How did you decide you wanted to go on it? And what was the audition process like for it? you'll like this. Um, my mom made me do it. (laughs) Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, um, kind of going back to river guiding, I had actually, um, dropped out of school to go uh, on the grand Canyon for 21 days. I'd been working my summers as a river guide on the Kern river and a friend of mine had got a private permit. And at, during this time, it was like an 11 year waiting list to go privately on the Grand Canyon 21 days. And, you know, I was like, like once in a lifetime experience, that'll never happen. So, and it was in October and I couldn't miss, you know, that much of, of school. So I was like, ah, school's already, you know, school's going to be there. So dropped out of school to go on the Grand Canyon. And my mom was not, you know, happy about that. And, um, I was three days out of the Grand Canyon and I had, you know, obviously quit school, given up my apartment, given up my job. And so I was sleeping on the couch, uh, on my mom's house. And she was like, 
what are you doing? Like, get a job, go back to school. Like, what's your plan? What's your plan? And I'm, you know, I'm still, my skin's still cracked and bleeding and I'm still catching up on my sleep. And she came home and shoved this piece of paper in my face and it had a little cartoon drawing. And it was like, you know, the one palm tree with the little piece of dirt and this guy laying underneath it. And it said, you know, CBS, 16 people, Borneo, $1 million, 39 days survive. And that's all it said. And she was like, you should do this. Like you pretty much just did this. Cause I was 21 days in the grand Canyon with 15 people that, um, I didn't know that well. I knew, you know, we all worked for different companies and we had all kind of seen each other on the river, but, um, it was, you know, she was like, you just did this, like, go, you should do this. And I said, yeah, I should do that. And So I just started um, auditioning and, you know, kind of one thing led to the other, but um, the audition process was really funny because you had to film a video and, you know, fill out a bunch of stuff. And um, I didn't have a camera, like we didn't, you know, there wasn't like phones with cameras that wasn't like a big thing. And so I had to, my dad borrowed a camera from somebody, from somebody, it was like a camera, like a beta, like a big ass <laughs> camera that, um, I happened to be visiting family in North Carolina where I am now. And my sister was filming and she didn't know how to work the camera. And I didn't know what to do because they're like, you know, be creative and show us your personality. And I'm like, what do you do? That's like shows your true self, but you're not like being campy or cheesy or, you know, acting. And so, we spent a day and I had done all these things. And then afterwards I was like, Oh, that's awful. That sucks. Like erase that. And I do something else. Oh no, that's terrible. Erase sucks. And then I got to a point where I was like, forget it. Like, I'm just not going to do it. I can't think of anything cool to do. And she said, no, no, just do something. Cause it had to be in the FedEx thing by you know midnight of that day. And so it was like 11 o'clock at night. And I'm like, sitting on the couch, just over it, drinking a beer, like petting my dog. And she was like, okay, you know, your name, who are you? Where are you from? Like, just give me the information they want. And so I was like, fine, whatever. And I was just like, pick me or don't like, I don't really care at this (laughs) point. And so I put it in the FedEx thing, just had already decided like my audition sucks. I'm, this isn't happening. And got in my car, drove back to California and I get to California four days later and my mom's calling me freaking out because I had no cell phone. So mom was, you know, base camp. She was contact phone number and she's like, CBS has been calling for two days. They're freaking out. They really want to talk to you. And I'm like, for what? You know, like, so I call and this, you know, I spoke to this woman in casting and she's like, is that really you? Like, that was the most amazing audition. And I'm like, what? Like you guys must be really, there must be some really uninteresting people out there. (laughs) So, you know, she kind of goes on and on about, you know, how wonderful my audition was. And I'm just like, okay, I guess. And it wasn't until the finale where Mark Burnett, and I think they might've even showed a clip of it at the finale, but so Mark Burnett starts talking about my audition tape and how fantastic it is. And I'm like, what? is the big deal. And so apparently all these things that I had filmed that my sister supposedly erased, she didn't know how to work camera. It never got erased. So, and I don't, I I couldn't even tell you what I was doing. Like, I have no idea what it was at this point. So apparently all this random stuff that I thought was stupid was like, you know, Mark was like, it'd be like a couple of seconds of this and then it would go dark. And then a couple of seconds of that. And that would go dark. And he said, apparently it was just the best thing ever. And 
So I just, everything you thought was being deleted. Yeah. Yeah. So in my, you know, so I'm just kind of like, I kind of just like Forrest Gumped it like on the survivor. Cause I had no idea what I was doing or what, you know, that's an um, amazing story because, because it just, I mean, we're actors and we're always putting our, and we're, it's so hard to judge ourselves and especially putting yourself on tape. And yeah. And I, it's like that, that's such a great story. It's like, sometimes it doesn't matter if you think it's bad. Just stick yeah. it in a, just send it. Just, just, just yeah. Take well, action. That, yeah, exactly. She was like, just do it. Like, what do you have to lose? Just, you know, put something out there. And, you know, so I did. And then um, the other thing that, that he told me was um, my, the written application, one of the questions, because again, at this point there, there was no point of reference. So one of the questions they asked was, um, if you could be a character on Gilligan's Island, so I'm going to ask you to, if you um, could be a character on Gilligan's Island, who would you be and why? I've never seen. <laughs> uh, well, that's the thing now. Like you, I mean, do you <laughs> yeah, yeah. know the show? Yes, I know of okay. it. I know the you premise. Know of it. Okay, but so, I don't know okay. any of the characters. Okay, or... <laughs> I would think that. Oh, obviously. Well, sometimes like the movie star, but yeah. Marianne was fun. Yeah. Um, okay. But Gilligan was so, I mean, you can be, you know, you can be whoever you want, but you the can cast, be whoever you want. So if professor, you could be anybody, who would yeah. you be? A CG, I think would like be the a, like a type of person who you see like on Survivor. an actual, no, no. If you can, an actual you, character, you had, an actual character on, on Gilligan's Island, we had to pick a character on Gilligan's Island. So there's, you know, Gilligan who, you know, who was the goofy guy. There was the skipper. There was, um, the couple, the Miss, Mr. and Mrs. Howell, the millionaires. They like, yes, they were the millionaire couple. There was um, that. Yeah, Ginger, off. Ginger, the movie star, and um, Marianne, who's like the from the dairy farm. Right? Yeah, she yeah she was like the little country girl, and then um, oh, the professor and the professor. I was think that CG, it? see, I CG just... keeps. She, this is her favorite. This and Big Brother are her favorite shows, and and she talks about doing Survivor. I'm like, honey, you could do Big Brother because you need showers. You can't. Yeah, I said, I said, I think I would win big brother, but I would be awful on survivor because this was something I wanted to ask you about. You said hunger was really bad, but exposure, like I can't imagine not being able to get sleep from the rain and just being. Oh soaked. yeah. No sleep. I would turn no into yeah. cranky yeah. rude. And I think I'd be booted off survivor. Cause they'd be like, you're rude and annoying. Get off. Well, so I'd probably be the movie star. From the movie movie star. Um, okay. And, and Melinda, who did you say you would be? Oh God. That's so funny because I, I mean, Darn. people think because, you know, somebody would say, because you're an actor, but, it, but I'm sure. not a movie star. I think I'm more, um, I don't know. Maybe I'd be more like Skipper or something or the professor. Okay. Okay. Well, okay. There you go. Good. So I said the professor. Okay. And apparently I was the only female who picked a male character, Mm. which, you know, I guess I was like, well, it didn't say you had to pick, you know, if you're a female, you have to pick a female. Um, Yeah. So I was just like, well, if I was, if I was stuck on an Island, I would be the professor because I would be like, and you know, and that's the whole funny thing about the show is like really all these years and they're making huts and they have, you know, all these things and they didn't like build a boat and get off the Island, you know, of course. Cause you know, so I was like, I would be the, I would be the professor, but, um, but yeah, so the food thing, like, yes, it was really hard not having food, but I think Cause I mean, if I go a couple of hours, you know, just today in life, I'll get hungry and cranky and, you know, hangry and all the things, but for some reason that didn't happen there. And I think 
maybe just psychologically, you know, there's no food, like it's just not an option, you know, here I'm like, Oh, I'm hungry. And I can go into the fridge and eat 50 things if I wanted to, whereas there you can't, there's no food. So I think your brain just like shuts off and is like, all right, we, we just have to close that down. Cause it's, it's not even worth worth your time. So, um, you know, that just, I don't like, I was never like, Oh my God, I'm so hungry. Like, yes, I'm hungry, but I just thought of other things and you're, you're on a, you know, you're living on adrenaline. So that kind of shuts down the hunger, but, um, you know how you were saying, Oh yeah, people, you know, I'm going to go and do this and I'm going to do whatever I need to do and do whatever it takes to get through. And I'll be whoever I need to be for that to happen. And then I can come home and go back to being me. And I always kind of was like, I kind of call BS on that. You know, I said, you can't go and be a completely different person, you know, cause I've, I've never watched it. PS. I've never seen anything that I was on or any of the other ones, but I've met people and I obviously know, you know, what's happening. And I've always heard people be like, Oh, I'm, I'm this really sweet, wonderful person. That's just me in the game. But in real life, I'm really awesome. And I'm like, No, I disagree because you take away the showers and the food and the comfort and the sleep and your familiar people like, who are you? Hmm. Are you a nice person still? Are you or are you just a heinous nightmare? Um, Because I think when you're stripped to nothing, that's who you really are. Who you really are is not the person with all the comforts. And can you, can, are you a nice person? Are you a good person? Like how you play the game and, you know, that's sort of how it was, you know, cause I didn't have this big grand Alliance thing, you know, that was, that was Richard's thing. And then obviously I, I went along with it at, at a certain point, but um, the night we voted Gretchen out sucked like that hurt my, I cry. I still cry, you know, about that because that was not, that's not my character. That was me doing whatever I needed to, to, to get further in the game. And it felt like shit and it was awful. And she is a great, and she is a sweetheart. You know, she, I've like, you know, cried to her and apologize. And she's like, no hard feelings, honey, do what you got to do. She's like, I would have done the same. And I was like, well, I wouldn't have. And that was the turning point for me where I was like, you know, if I get voted out tomorrow, fine, but I don't want to go any further playing this way because it sucks. And if I go any further and, you know, even if I win, I want to win because I know it's because of me and not because, you know, I hid behind Richard or whatever, you know? Right. So if I think you like, can watching it back, you can definitely see your, your turning point there because people were like, Oh, Kelly's wishy-washy. I'm like, no, she's coming to terms with like how she wants to move forward. I didn't, I never saw it as wishy-washy. I was like, she's realizing what this game is about and deciding, you know, yeah. how she wants to move forward. And, you know, you said voting Gretchen off was hard. Do you have any other large regrets from the first season or well, I mean, anything. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, in hindsight, like if I knew I, I was going to lose anyway, I would have much rather given the money to Rudy, you know, I would have gladly taken Rudy to the final two and like, here you go. Like, 
I would have much rather gone to the end with him versus Richard. I mean, even that whole day to the end, Richard was like, all right, second place is cool. Like he knew he was already resigned to the fact that he was not going to win against me. And that was the plan. I, you know, like if you're going to go to the end, you want to sit next to somebody who you feel like you've played a better game. You're a better person, that type of thing. And he even and I, you know, I don't know if this actually made it to camera, but when they announced the winner, he turned to me and he goes, I'm sorry, Richard mouthed the words, I'm sorry to me. And I just, you know, it was like, what? Like the first, Well, you, you bring up the ethical versus cutthroat. Mm-hmm. I don't think, I mean, I haven't seen all the other seasons, but I seriously doubt that there was ever as much because it was almost like it was the majority were trying to I think play ethical and it was more the minority that's. And, and then of course, at the end, everybody sure. was having to play the game because in the yeah. beginning, I don't think you ever will get that in any, or ever got you, that. On you don't, I've you seen can't. many of the other seasons. It is ethics are out the windows. Oh yeah. And it's okay. Every other season and it's accepted. It's right. just exactly accepted that way. Yeah. It's like, this is what we're going to do and nobody can get mad and no hard feelings. And like, that's how you play. So, yeah, I agree. I think, you know, from obviously my experience and from what I I know of past seasons and even just my second experience in Cambodia, it's like, oh yeah, this is how we're playing. This is what we're going into doing and nobody can get pissed off about it or get bummed because that's like how you have to, if you want to get any further. And, um, I think it was Keith and, um, you know, rest his soul. He recently passed Keith nail. Um, that man is fan. He was fantastic. He was just the biggest sweetheart. And I really enjoyed, um, you know, being there with him and we would sit and talk and like, you know, if we could just do the challenge part and like do the survival part, like that's kind of fun, but the whole right. like politics and all that, we were like that, that's the, that's the bummer part. Cause he was just such a nice, person. I was, I was very know. sad to hear about his passing yeah. for sure. Yeah. He, he was, he was a good dude. Really good dude. Can He's I go- from season 30 mom. Okay. I don't yes. know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <that's his> one. <laughs> I wanted to yeah. say you were talking about the grand Canyon. And so I, I had the opportunity um, <gasps> to do the grand Canyon, the same oh. exact thing. My husband, you guys are the same age. You probably know the same people. And in fact, we wanted to, I'll bring him on and say hello at the end here, but, okay. uh, but he did this, the same thing. He, they had a, a private trip. They waited like seven years for this permit and they got to do 25 days. And um, I actually hiked in because I was like, I can't do 25 days. I just, you know, and my first day there was my third day camping ever. Oh and, my gosh. But, but the great thing That's about river guiding is you can take 2000 pounds of stuff, something on a boat and you're, and you have great food and it's planned out on dry ice. However, by the end, we were literally <laughs> making soup from bullion. And so there was some definite, you know, and um, so there is some survival and all that, but, and they, there's so much equipment and everything and they take care of you. But Somebody at the end of it, um, or many people have asked me, like, how was that, you know, uh, on a scale of one to 10, how's the Grand Canyon? And I said, on any given day, any number could apply. And every number did apply during that whole <laughs> trip, because there were ones, there were days where, you know, it's raining and you're at these, or you're going over lava falls and, and you have, you know, you're, you feel like you're going to die. I mean, there's so many things. And I think the river and the, is such a euphemism for life. And I think it, it's magnified in a situation like survivor where on any given day, you probably, or even any given moment, you could say, man, look at that sunset. This is amazing. I'm, 
it, I just did. I mean, you could have some kind of dopamine rush from doing a certain reward and then other moments where you're in these terrible storms and you're not sleeping. And so I, I would imagine that that equates. Um, and so that that river guiding experience in the Grand Canyon was such a good example for that. So I just wanted oh, to. Yeah, it, right. Or, Definitely. Or oh, that's like that. So, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're exactly right. And that, um, I didn't quite answer your, your question about exposure earlier, but, um, yeah, I like that on the scale. That's really cool because you do, and that can happen like in at the same time, but yeah. So like one night, for example, I think it was day nine, it started raining and then it pretty much didn't stop. Um, like for the next 30 days, I mean, we'd had moments, it, it was raining more than not. And, um, a hurricane was hitting the Island and we were actually at tribal council and there was lightning and thunder and, you know, stuff was going on and they like had to shut it down and we had to, you know, get off, you know, get off the grid. And so we just ran into the jungle and we had to, you know, we had to walk, like we didn't get boated or trucked or anything. We had to actually walk from our camp through the jungle to the other side of the island to get to tribal council every time. And we had to make it back through the jungle. And, you know, we didn't, we had no light. We had, you know, just this stupid yellow big plastic rain jacket and, um, walking back. I mean, you couldn't see your hand in front of your face and wow. poor Rudy. I mean, he just fell all the time. And so it was like, we were just trying to keep Rudy from yeah, slipping and falling, right. breaking his <laughs> neck. And, you know, we're all just like packed in and, and, you know, we've like a, just making it back to camp was like, holy shit, you know, and then getting into camp that night, the wind was blowing so hard. Like it was ripping palm fronds off the shelter. And I remember at one point, Sue and I were like holding on to one of the poles in the shelter because the wind was blowing so hard and you're just, and people think, oh, it's the tropics. Like even if it rains, it's warm. No, it's cold. It's cold. And when you're, and, and there's nowhere to go. And Sometimes when it would rain, you'd go into the ocean because it was warmer, but there was so much lightning that obviously we couldn't go into the water and you know, you can't go into the jungle because it's super dangerous. And so I just remember hanging onto this tree and it just, it wouldn't stop. And, you know, it, like watching the sun come up and still being soaked in rain. And like, I was just remembering thinking like, this is it. Like, this is the most miserable a human, like at least I, in my human experience, like, this is it, like, this is the bottom of it. And, you know, that's why I like, like, oh, I get the, you know, the, the water torture thing. Cause you know, you think about, you're like, oh, it's just a drop of water. And it's like, yeah, but when it's nonstop, (laughs) nonstop. And so it was interesting that you, you mentioned that because I was like, yeah, that like you go to the other side, you know, that was like a 10 plus, And then you're like, can, can I like, can I really endure this? And then you're like, why the hell am I here? Like I signed up for this. I like, I don't have to be here. I, you <laughs> know, everyone's mean. Everyone sucks. I'm like as cold as I've ever been. I'm soaked to the bone. And then, you know, and you're just like, why am I doing this? And then something just kind of switches and you're like, okay, all right. I lived through that. I can, I can live through something else, you know, I can, I can keep going. And so, um, you know, what turned out started off as one thing. And like, as you said, um, and maybe I did appear wishy-washy and, and whatever, but for me internally, it was like figuring out 
how to proceed and, and, and how to get to the, how to get to the next 10 or how to live through the one, how to get to the two, how do we get to the three? There was a moment where, because obviously you guys are there with the crew who are, who almost become extended, you know, family. Cause they're there oh, yeah. with you experiencing all the elements as well. I think. Right. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you have to do some tutorials. They, they pull you aside and you just, it doesn't sound like you guys were redoing or reshooting or getting extra shots or anything. Right. Um, we were the, the first time we did, like we would have to, and this, what was, you know, obviously kind of messed with your psyche was, I remember the, um, the ropes course one in particular, because we're all at the starting line and they're like, okay, all right, go. And we would run and they'd be like, all right, stop, go back. We have to shoot it again. Cause you know, there wasn't drones. There was like the giant West cam helicopters. They're like, all right, go back, do it again. And you're like, oh, Okay, you go back. We do that four times. Start the ropes course again four times. So that definitely messes with you. And then, um, so there was some of that, but not a lot. But there was some. Okay. And um, one time there was a thing where uh, where we had to hold our breath. We were like sitting on this little pier, and we had to jump in the water and hold our breath. And it was getting dark, and there was a storm coming, and we hadn't um, stoked our fire a lot before we left camp and we didn't have matches. We didn't have Flint and steel that first time around art. We made fire and we had to keep it going the whole time. And so we had to decide when should we put the pot of rice on? Like, are they going to call us to go to a game? Cause we hadn't, we had no idea. We would just kind of have to wait for something to happen. And so that night in particular, Rudy had, we had waited all day and nobody went to go off and do anything because we knew we had a challenge. And then finally he, we thought, all right, well, maybe it's not happening today. So he went to put the pot of rice on. And then of course they show up and they're like, all right, you're going to a game. And we were like, crap. And we didn't have time to stoke the fire. So we were out there floating on this little pier. It's getting dark. We're cold. And we, they made us go in and out of the water a couple of times to get the shot. And finally, actually it was Jeff who was like, no, like I, I can't, Cause he had to be the one to do all the things. And he was like, no, I'm not making them get in the water again. And he actually like stood up to production and was like, these people are freezing, like get them back to camp. I can't make them do it again. Wow. <laughs> That's good. I had a, um, when I was on a, a show that I was doing, I'm not allowed to talk about because of the strike in 2003, one of our ADs had just come from being on production on, on the show. And he had an ethical moral dilemma. He said it was too difficult to see what they were going through. And oh, wow. essence we're going through, he said it was, he's like, here we are just eating what, you know, lobster and such. And, and he, and he thought for him personally, he didn't like it. He didn't like what the contestants were being put through. And oh. He said, so I, I came back to Hollywood. Oh, well, <laughs> good for him. Yeah. I mean, but he, for him, it was difficult because going back to what you were saying, it wasn't so much that you were that the, you put yourself into a situation with no pre preconceived ideas. And then as it comes down to it, you see the way people are acting and you put your head in your hands. And you're like, I can go along with this, but I'm having real human emotions mm -hmm. and conflictions and, 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 and I, and, and the voice in my head, I just felt it like you could see in your, and nobody else was seemed to be doing that. Huh. You know, there were I, uh -huh. just watching for the first time, you know, um, Sue and Rich and they were, and Rudy's just going along with it. 
Yeah. They were like, here, this is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And you had a real, uh, you were questioning everything in your human. You could see the battle. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it, it, was it was a battle Royale for sure. And that, you know, and that's the thing is like, you have the one side where it's like, oh, it's, it's just a game and it's, you know, it's not real life. And then the other side, it's like, well, crap, if this doesn't mimic real life, I don't know what is like, what are you willing to do to get ahead in life? Yeah. It's, Hello, it's real like life in like a box like, down. Yeah. To its that is real raw. life way yeah. like raw and method. Yeah. I feel Absolutely. like the, the, the contestants now they have it easy because it's expected of them. Although right. you get a free pass to be a, to however you need to be right. Like we right. were saying earlier, like it's I expected think, and it's fine. And I, I just think there's something, one of the things we do on this podcast is actually explore the, the impact of shows and the cultural impact and, and such in reality Today, we know that people love the idea of being on TV. Maybe they love it for the fame or the money or the, but we've also seen for some people that it's highly unhealthy for their emotional health. And, um, you know, especially when you get to like the housewives or, and things like that, like put exposing yourself and, sure. and it, it can be very exploitive and, and such. So how did coming back from the show, how did your life change in and in so many ways, like a lot of attention or were you able to balance it and just kind of keep to your core as a little bit of both. So yeah. that's, you know, that's a really interesting question that um, not too many people ask. Um, and that was re- a really big part of it because, you know, again, like you said, now going into it, um, whether that's people's motivation or not, like, you know, that what to expect. And, you know, like I said, I mean, we didn't even know it was ever going to air. So the amount of just popularity and I guess, you know, fame, so to speak, that came after was a huge shock to all of us. And, um, and it was, you know, I, I, I tell the story, I'm like, okay, one, week I was cleaning out porta potties on the river because that's what we had to do at our camps. And the next week I was walking the red carpet at the Emmys wearing like Jenna Elfman's rejected dress that she didn't want that happened to fit me. And like somebody's loaning me a hundred thousand dollar diamond earrings. Like what the hell? I mean, not, I'm not kidding you from Saturday to Saturday. That's how much my life changed, but coming home We, you know, of course we weren't allowed to tell anybody. And I think that first one, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's my understanding that the first one was the only one where we knew who won. It is. Yes. I think after that, they were like, after that to read the votes until wherever they record the reunion. But yeah. Yes. So not only did we, you know, not only did I know I, you know, I knew I lost, but I knew the whole Sue speech and the whole everything. But, um, you know, so I had to come home and like keep that secret. And it was just weird, you know, like mentally, physically, I was just in such a weird place. And, um, I was, you know, staying at my mom's house in Las Vegas at the time. And that just coming, coming back to civilization anyway, was weird as hell, but coming to Las Vegas after being in the Borneo jungle for 300 days was way too much. I couldn't deal. I couldn't even deal with myself. I didn't know what was happening in my brain, certainly in my body. I had lost 24 pounds. 
I was very ill. Um, turns out I had serious like parasites and amoebas. I had like a serious health problem that I didn't find out till later. Um, so I spent three days in Las Vegas and I was just like, I gotta get the hell out of here. And I went to the river. I went back to the Kern river. I, I went to work. I worked all summer and everybody knew me there. It's a very small town. All my friends knew me. So it wasn't a big deal. And, um, I had told my manager at the company, I said, I need to be on an overnight every Wednesday night. So every Wednesday night I was on a two day trip. So I was camping. I was in camp. I wasn't in town. I wasn't near any people with a TV and, you know, people would, would come and, you know, they would kind of recognize me, but, um, people were pretty cool. And I had a really great group of guide friends that were very protective of me that, you know, if other people guests would come on a trip, they would be like, Hey, she's on the river. She's just a guide. Like if you happen to be in her boat, great. You're in her boat. Like no one's getting and just let her be kind of thing. So, so people really did kind of rally and like, and let me be, but there was a few times where people had brought little TVs into camp on Wednesday nights because they had to watch survivor. And it was even funnier when I would be on the trip and they didn't know it was me. Cause you know, you're in hat and sunglasses and life jacket and you can kind of hide out a little bit. So there was one point where this woman had brought her TV and cause she had to watch survivor and like, she did not know the whole time that I, she was on the trip with me. <laughs> yeah. So that was pretty funny. That's awesome. I, yeah, I was that probably, was awesome. It was probably very helpful, you know, going from such a wild environment and then being able to have a bit of a support system when you get back. I'm sure that made the transition. I mean, not that it was easy, but it aided in it a bit, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like I had to get back to nature. I had to get back to like what was familiar and where, you know, cause nothing, nothing seems real. Nothing feels real. And I mean, even being there was, was, was odd, but yeah, you have, you have to process a lot of stuff mentally and emotionally. And then also as it, it gets closer to the finale having like, I mean, living through it the first time was hard, especially, you know, the speech at the end, which I'm sure we'll talk about, but just that building up that anxiety of like, Oh my gosh, like I'm going to have to live through that again. And what's everybody going to think? And, you know, as it's progressing, you know, and even my, you know, my friends on the river, they're like, Hmm, she's still here. So she must not have gotten voted out. You know, they were starting to kind of calculate like, Oh, I haven't been whisked away to somewhere for a week. So she's still here. So maybe, maybe she's still in it kind of thing. So, well, so you just mentioned one of the more, you know, if you type in, you know, survivor Borneo, that speech from Sue comes up. And so I'd, I'd seen it and I, I mean, I didn't see the speech. I was just like, okay, I know it's coming up. So I, I watched it just the other night for the first time and thinking about this epic famous speech. And I was a little bit jaw dropped. Like that sounds so see what, what, what comes out of people's mouths is about themselves. It's not about the person receiving it and we can't control what people feel or, but she was so angry and it came across as sore loser to me. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. what Jervis said after I, yeah. I think what's more iconic is how Jervis backed you up yeah, and right. said what we were all thinking. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think I, I watched it for the second time last night and I was like, she really was just like, a sore loser. Yeah. yeah. I think she was hurt. I think a lot of times anger comes out of hurt 
and or almost always does. And she felt the need of that's when that's when you think like I want it's I guess it's there's a lot of ego that goes involved with it that is involved with almost everybody's actions. And I think I I learned something um, when I was doing my getting prepared for this, that you said that one of the things, you know, everybody asked about Greg and, and the picking the number between one and 10. But I think you said that he actually said to you, he looked and he said, I can't let this. What did he say? I'll let you say it. Yeah, it was actually Greg and Sean, both of them. Uh Um, Greg and Sean both came up to me at the finale and looked me in the eye and told me that um, they did. They could not vote for me to win because they could not lose to. I was you know, I was 22. I hadn't turned 23 yet. They said they could not lose to a 22 year old female. That. They had, because Richard, I think he was 36 or 30, whatever, some late thirties. It was easier for their ego to lose to Richard than it was to me. And I knew, I mean, I knew Greg's pick a number was bullshit. And I knew Sean's like alphabet, whatever his theory, like that was just their way to not take responsibility. Justify. Exactly. And I knew she wasn't going to choices. Right. I knew (laughs) Sue wasn't going to vote for me and I knew Rudy wasn't going to vote for me. And and like, that was okay. He gave his word at the beginning and that was it. So Rudy got a free pass because he was like, I don't care how much I hate Richard and how much I love you. Like, this is what I said I was going to do and I'm going to do it. And I, you know, Rudy and I butted heads at first, but he ended up being my most favorite human ever, you know, by the end. And yeah, they both told me like they couldn't lose to me. And, you know, with Sue, she and I were kind of buddies at the beginning and that obviously started to fade. And when I realized that, you know, she was, totally like ratting me out, you know, she was, you know, in bed with Richard on everything and, um, you know, really against me. And then, um, you know, she and I had like a big disagreement and cause I told her, I confessed everything to her. I said, this sucks. I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go my own way. Um, and she was like, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. That's stupid. Don't do that. She was like, do whatever you need to do, but just like play along. I got your back you know, I got your back. I'll, I'll cover for you. And cause she was like me and you to the end, like girl power. Right. And I was like, okay, all right, let's do this. And meanwhile, she's telling Richard, you know, Oh, Kelly's out. She doesn't want to do this anymore. So from that moment, they were out to get me uh-huh. and, you know, she had done that. So I knew she did that. So when it came time for me to come to power, cause I didn't win anything. I mean, it was like day 20 something before I even won anything you know, and, and then you went I, five times in a row and well, I, I had to, I was like, I was like, I had to, she not because I knew the outcome and I thought she just won five times in a row. How does she not win? Because I didn't know all the details yet. Yeah. But I, cause I had to, because there, there was no option. If I did not win, I was gone. They were going and, to vote. Yeah. Yeah. And so that in my mind, it was like, what well, like there, like there's no, like losing was not, there was no falling off the log. There was no, you know, letting go of the idol or, you know, whatever all those challenges were. But, um, 
And so, you know, when she, when it came time for me to make the choice for her and, you know, in my head as she was like, well, I'm not going to let you get to the final three. And that was my little immature. Well, I'm not going to let you kind of thing. So I knew, I knew she was going to be mad. I knew her venom was coming. And I think that whole, our whole last day in camp when Richard and I were burning the place down, I was like, we chatted like, who do you think is going to say this or vote that? And like I said, the whole day he was like, yep, hundred thousand's great. Second place is awesome. Like he had already resigned to, to knowing that about himself. And then we were like, Hmm, what's Sue going to say? And I said, Oh, she is going to be, rough. Oh man. I called it. I was like, she is going to lay into me. And he was like, Oh, both of us. I was like, eh, she'll have some sharp words for you. But I was like, she is going to let me have it. And he was like, do you really think like, I, you know, she's on TV. And I was like, do you really think she cares? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, she's going to say something. And I will say um, for a person who didn't really have that uh, firm grasp on grammar, her speech was, was really, uh, really good. Just throwing that out there. You know, he had a way with words, (laughs) eloquently spoken, really eloquent for a woman who wasn't so eloquent. If you catch my drift. Um, And when she didn't shake her hand, when she came up, she said, I'll shake your hand, but I would not. What did she say? If oh, I she wasn't going to give me water. If I was dying of thirst, she wouldn't yeah. give me water. I was like, do you yeah. think that was a performance or did it come out of this real, you know, because nothing, there's nothing worse than people having expectations in life and, and not, not getting what they want because sure. they didn't. Um, but do you think she played for the cameras or that was real venom? She, she had real venom, but um, that was played for the cameras. Like, she and the producers edge you on you think uh i don't think they edge did they edge her on um like i think she had a lot of help with her speech Ah, well (laughs) Um, let's let's put it that way um yeah i mean i i know like she was really mad you know i know she was really mad and um but you know did she come up with that whole thing herself no of course she didn't and but to the extent that she really went for it. Uh, I didn't know it, it was going to, you know, go that far, but um, yeah. And that was sort of a moment where I knew that the person I was when I stepped onto that Island was not the same as, as when I stepped off, because if you said those things to me prior to that, I would have gotten really fired up and taken everything personally. And, you know, I mean, we might've fought, you know, I would have gotten really passionate about it and and had to really defend myself, but it was like, almost like this, like sonic boom went over me where I was just felt like, oh, I just elevated. Like I literally just became a different and better person in that moment when I didn't react. Right. And, and it felt fine. Like I just was like, you just made a huge ass of yourself (laughs) and sorry, you feel that way. But I had, there was no part of me that felt like I had to like defend myself that I had to stick up for myself because I knew who I was and I knew what I did and I knew everybody else did too. And I didn't have to say anything about it. And it was, and it was, it was a real, it was a, big moment for me just in, in the game and, and in life in general, it, it was huge. 
I was just going to ask something similar because if somebody walked up to me and gave me a speech like that, and when I was in a vulnerable place or I'm still just figuring out my life when I'm 22, um, it would be devastating. And I, there was a time in my life where if somebody talked to me like that, I might be curled up in a fetal position, but instead it's like, People don't have power over us unless we allow it. And and I just think that at such a young age, I'm sure the life lessons that you got from this are so are tenfold or just infinity. And it's 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 a it was really I was proud of you. I was so proud of you. And then when I watched it (laughs) and I was like uh, one of the just watching the show, I was like, I need to reach out to this person. And this is the person that I want to talk to the most because I think you. you and I wanted to make a point of the fact that. The fact I was really shocked to hear this, not shocked, I guess, but it just never occurred to me that these these um, Sean and um, Greg were like, it's because you're 22 and, and it's a different time. You know, I don't maybe people would do the same now, but it really there are some things that two thousand in the year 2000. Uh things are a little bit different now. And there was mm-hmm. some sexism on the show, clearly. And oh, yeah. some of the words that were being used, um, even in television back then, we've realized we don't say the same things. We don't make the same jokes. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that um, were said that we just don't get away with now. And uh, yeah, I didn't even think about how much, how how far women have had to come in every aspect of the world. And that it would hurt their ego to allow somebody yeah. who actually played the game really well. A 22 year old female, they yeah. specifically said it. Tw- yeah. And yeah, you think like, well, 2000, that's not, you know, 1950. I mean, it's the year 2000 and that that's was shocking to me. And then I just said, Oh, I feel really sorry for you that, yeah. you know, and like you were talking about Jervis, love Jervis, talk to him every day. He's, he's awesome. He's a fantastic human. And he was, yeah. He was like, you're a sore loser. And he was like, you played a great game and I am happy to stand behind you and support that. And, but which yeah. was funny because I think, and he's, he's the one that made of, that comment. <laughs> totally. Well, that's how I said. see Jervis is, is a fantastic human. He is a sweet man. He's a great father. He's a great guy, but he does have this reputation, you know, and he even had it there and he still kind of plays to it on social media. And I always tease him. I'm like, dude, you have the biggest cover ever because you're the sweetest, nicest guy ever. And he did. He was like, if I can't win, I want the best person to win instead of me. And, um, yeah, he just, he really supported me and other people really supported me too. And that's what was great is I had, you know, so much, I guess, kind of fear and anxiety reliving it. And, and you wonder like, well, what's everybody going to think? Are they going to think I'm this big loser? And was it all for nothing? Or, you know, did I, did I put myself out there in in the wrong way? And I think that's partly why I didn't want to watch because you know, I was there, I knew what happened. And I guess I was, I didn't want to know what TV made of it. I mean, obviously, you know, you film so much and then you can only air so much. And I was, I guess like, what are they really going to show or not show? And I guess I just wanted to keep my experience pure and just kind of stay in my truth and my power of like knowing what really happened. But no one's ever come up to me and been like, well, you suck. And you know, that was terrible or that kind of thing. People have always been so kind and 
you know, what you said, like, wow, you, you handle that really well. And, um, what was even more awesome is parents, particularly women, particularly women with young girls would come up to me and still come up to me and say, you know, thank you for being a good role model. And, and thank you for being a good role model model for my daughters. And, you know, I, I actually got asked, I was a cosmopolitan fun, fearless female of the year in like 2000 or something. And, you know, I was in the magazine and that, I mean, like some, like, I'm not, I'm not a actor. I'm not a model. I'm not a rock star. So for me to like be in Cosmo and do all the things like that was really cool, but also, you know, just so surreal. And they flew me to New York and there was this big luncheon and I got to bring my mom and, you know, Helen Gurley Brown was still alive and sat next to me and she was fantastic. And she just came up to me and was like, linked arms. And she was like, you're that survivor girl. And I like you and sit next to me. And I'm just like, you know, what is happening? And, 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 uh, the editor in chief at the time, she came up to me after the lunch and we're taking pictures and she had her daughter with her who was about seven or eight. And this like still gets me. She asked me to take a picture with her daughter and I did. And she said, that's who I want you to be. Wow. Sorry. It it gets me emotional. I was like, wow. You know, so like, forget the money, forget all that. The fact that like that has an impact on somebody is worth all the speeches and rats and all that. Well, and staying true to yourself. I think that's, it's, it's, everyone has their own truth and, and what they can live with. And you know, and, and I, you could see that you were, you know, I think a lot of people went into it just with the purity of it. And then when it changed, you could see that it, they struggled with that as well. And like mm-hmm. I said, you'll never see that again. But when you say I'm not a rock star, I'm not this, I'm not that. But I have to I have to give you a bit of an anecdote because I know quite a few river guides. And when I when I got into that world and and one of one of one of the book they're they're bigger than life and it's an amazing kind of job to have and it's like what people do this for a living but i remember him saying like you know what the sexiest uh careers are rock star fireman river guide and <laughs> so you're up there with rock star when it comes to when it comes to uh, being a river guide so that's so funny. i'll equate you with that <laughs> oh thank you that's sweet well yeah some later, but, um, but, but even yeah. more than that, you're a humanitarian and a mom. Right. And, yeah. I wanted to switch gears. I wanted to ask about the, the water pro- project you've been working on. Oh, thank um, you. cause you say you're yeah. not a rock star, but then you told us all these things you're working on. I'm like, okay, pause. <laughs> yes. yes, you are. <laughs> um, well, thank you for asking. I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, I, it's, it's really exciting. And this is, this is all just kind of happening. Um, a couple of weeks ago, the, the Marshall Islands is uh, was just recognized by the United Nations as being only the second country in the world to meet the UN goal of sustainable clean water for all. Uh, Liberia was the first country and now Marshall Islands. So not even the United States um, has has reached this. So it's it's a big deal. And how I somehow became involved in this is uh, my son Rio and I went there several years ago kind of on a whim, um, we heard from somebody who knew somebody who whatever, um, heard that the Marshall Islands, 
uh, was needed clean water. They had, were having trouble with access to clean water. So we got a group together and in five days we bought a bunch of, we bought 200 Sawyer water filters. We went to the Marshall Islands and, um, met with different aid groups there and got them out to some of the outer atolls and just kind of hoped for the best, you know, 200 water filters is not going to give everyone clean water, but it's something. And we met with different people there and, and, you know, connected and connected and connected. And I just was like, kind of hoping for the best and COVID happened. And so that slowed down a lot of the efforts. And just a few weeks ago, I got a message from Sawyer saying, Hey, um, we just delivered the the final filters yesterday and we were all having dinner with a group of Marshallese people. And they told us the story of how you and your son came out of nowhere and brought these filters and like, how did this happen? And, and what were you doing there? And, um, and I didn't know, like I said, I, I kind of didn't really hear what was happening. And now all of a sudden, Marshall Islands has, has clean water. Um, and the whole time we were there, people are like, why are you here? <laughs> like, thank you for coming, but why are you here? You don't know anybody or not with an aid organization. Like, why did you come? And I didn't really have a good answer other than like, well, we heard you needed help and we decided to show up. So now that's happening. And, um, now I'm, you know, partnering with Sawyer to do more water projects. And our goal is to keep working, um, just keep ticking off the countries one by one and keep, keep helping them to get clean water. Um, so for me, that came about living in, I lived in Mexico for about 10 years um, in a very remote town with my son. And we had uh, trouble having access to clean water often. And when he was born, we had a hurricane that hit our coastline and the bridge washed away to our village. We didn't have power. We couldn't pump water. And as you know, having an infant and even trying to breastfeed, like drinking enough water to feed your child, um, that was a challenge. And I was like, well, I chose this, you know, I moved here. I chose this life and I could choose not to have it, but most people don't have that choice, especially women, um, women around the world are responsible for getting the water. And if that is your life and your daily struggle, like as a mom who barely lived through a little bit of that, um, I just felt like it was sort of my place and my duty to, to help carry that forward. Um, so funny, like, yeah, Sue would never give me a glass of water and that's kind of become my, my passion is to make sure everybody has a glass of water. Right. Um, No one's dying of thirst on those islands. So inspirational. And, And so many times there are people who say, they see something, they say, how can I help? Well, you don't, I mean, you just did something remarkable and, and you're, you're saying just a few people were able to make that much of a difference. We should all take some lessons from that. Yeah. You just, talking thank myself. You. <laughs> well, and I, and, and, but that's a really good point. I mean, I think, I think there's a lot of people that want to help and, and want to contribute and they just don't know where to start. So then it gets overwhelming and daunting. And I mean, at the time when we went, I was like, like I said, I was really excited that it happened. But then also I felt like, oh gosh, like we couldn't help everybody and mm-hmm. oh, well, you do what you can. And then it took some years, but it, you know, it had a ripple effect and now this is happening and now other countries are reaching out 
to Marshall Island saying, okay, well, you did this, like, what's your template? How can we make this doable and digestible? And, um, okay, start small. Okay. Little bit by little bit by little bit. And that's, you know, something, you know, as a parent, you want to tell your kids. And I, you know, always tell Rio, I'm like, you're never too, you know, it's a cheesy cliche, but like, you're never too small to make a big difference. Like you never know what that one thing you did, or that one kindness you, you said to someone, you have no idea how that is going to ultimately affect your life or their life. And ultimately the world, I mean, who knew I never, you know, that you made one decision to get the filters and you started the ball rolling for now it's accomplishment that they have the ripple. Yeah. And the cool thing is, um, you know, we kind of talked about like, and, 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 you know, there was lots and lots of wonderful people involved, but the group that brought it home to the Marshall islands, um, is women. That often happens. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, you know, yay. Um, On the topic of women, I know you have plans to go to India or, um, yes. and start teaching, I believe it's whitewater guide school because they don't have um, classes for women in India, if I'm correct. No, no, they don't. Um, they, they don't really offer much training for anybody, but um, we recently did a trip uh, to India. We went three days trekking uh, in the Himalayas and then three days rafting down the Ganges and it was myself, another female guide friend of mine, her daughter and, and my son. And yeah, we're like, where's, where's all the girls? Like, where are all the females? And they said, oh no, we don't, we don't have any female guides. And so my first question was like, oh, is that, is there, is that taboo? Is it, you know, is it a religious thing? Is it not accepted? And they said, oh no, 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 it's not taboo. And it's not, it's not discouraged, but it's not necessarily encouraged. And they said, you know, we don't offer any training and, you know, there's no, there's no training and there's no support and there's no encouragement. And so we were like, Hmm, well, that sucks. We need to, we need to change that. And so every day when I would be rowing the boat, like we would pass other companies and even other people on the side of the, I mean, you would think I had three heads, you know, they were just like a woman is guiding the raft. And so we were like, Hmm. Well, I think we need to change that. So we're, we're going to go back and, um, we've, we've been in touch with some other, um, there's quite a few kayakers, female kayakers in India and, and Nepal. So we've, um, we're starting to organize that. So we're going to go back and teach a seven day guide school, all, all women led, um, myself and, and another partner. And then it's, it's free only for women. That's amazing. So, and then we have a, a, a company there called red chilies that, um, they're a really great company and they're like, yes, we will fully, like, we would love to have women guides. So I think that's obviously a big part of it too. And you've been in the guide community and even still now it's, it's still kind of a pretty heavily male dominated thing. So you can have all the training in the world, but if you're not put in an environment where, you're going to be supported as a female in an all male environment. Um, you know, we don't just want to like throw them out there. Okay. You know, go figure it out. So red chilies has really rallied around this effort too. So I'm really excited about that. It's not, it's not an easy thing too. There are people that are talented. I read your essay that you sent me and, and that when you realize you you can read the water and I've tried and I'm like, Nope, I know just enough about rafting that I'm very, and, 
but but I'm not talented enough that I'm really, really intimidated by it. CG did it, did the rogue when she was. I, yeah, I've done one trip. Oh, I love the rogue. I was seven okay. years old. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. What, we'll have to come to the Kern. Yes. Yeah. Well, yes, we should we make a plan yeah. for that. I've been on the Kern. Yes. And um, we've been nice. talking about getting, because I haven't been since I was seven years old. So we've been talking about year for years doing another yes. trip. She needs to do it. She needs we to should do, do it. it. Definitely. But uh, going back, because I kept noticing um, you journaling in, in the show. And, and I, my first thought was like, is she writing her emotions? Is it therapeutic? Is she documenting? And you let me know that you've turned it into a book. Yes, I did. So um, yeah, well, that's funny because that when we got our care package, yeah. you know, from the family and there was like, so-and-so got candy and, and this and that and the other. And what my mom sent me was a notebook and a pen and people were like, you got paid. Like, why didn't she send you food? And I'm like, because she's my mom and she knows, she knows. <laughs> and she knows me. So I was like the why kid. Uh, why, why this, that, and that, that. So at like five, my mom handed me a notebook and she was like, write it down. You have a question, write it down. And like, we had encyclopedias and we had to look stuff up. And so I've just, I just always write, 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 even if it's stupid, you know, stuff. And I had nothing to write on there. Richard had a journal and I think I forget who else had a journal. Um, but Dirk had his Bible mm-hmm. and when he left, he left me the Bible. <laughs> so I said, then I started writing in his Bible at first because I just, I had to get stuff out of my head. So I was writing all along the edges and like trying not to actually write over the Bible. Cause I didn't want to. And then finally I ended up just having to, to write over the Bible. And, um, so I wrote in the Bible and then I wrote in my notebook. And, um, a lot of times I would write down lists, food lists. So that was a game that we would play. We would go <laughs> around in a circle and everybody would say a food. And we called it mental potluck. And for some weird reason, you, it was like the, not Alice in Wonderland. What's the, oh, the, was it Peter Pan or Pan where it was Robin Williams was, you know, he goes back. Oh, hook. thank you. Sorry. And they're trying to get him to remember he's Peter Pan and they're like, pretend to eat. And so we would do that and like pretend to eat. And so I would write down the food as it went around in the list. And then we would go back and reread like, oh yeah, the cat was a lot of cheese. I just remember like, (laughs) why did we want, I like, we wanted cheese. It was like meat and cheese. God, yeah, cheese is all cheese, cheese. But um, so there was a lot of food lists. There was um, a lot of poems in there, a lot of stories. And yeah, really just day-to-day journal entries um, of just me. And so that's what the book is. It's me and my life in the Borneo jungle. Like people have seen the TV show. They know what's happening on the game, but I mean, still 23 years later, people are always asking me like, what was your deal? Like, what was really going on with you? Like, yeah, yeah. We know the challenge. And Sue said this and that, but like, what was happening with you? What was going on in your mind? And what was the jungle really like? And talk about the snakes and all of that. So it is, it's just a, it's a day one through 39 with some random food lists. And I love it. I love it. I think that is the thing that, you know, we, we, we watch the show, but then people are so invested that they, we want to get into, you know, what were your thoughts and what was really going on? Because I, you know, just 
looking at it, I noticed sometimes I was like the editors, cause it's, it was new for them too, because oh yeah, you tell a story with editing and you could tell, I was like, okay, here they are with it. They've got the villain music when Rich is up and they've got the tink, you know, the light music when this character is up and you could tell it's an, it's a manipulative art where we're letting sure. the audience know how to feel depending on how the editors put this thing together. And then there were times where I thought they edited this episode better than that one. Like the Gretchen thing, it was so out of left field. It was one of the biggest surprises because it didn't, you know, it, there was no inkling that that was going to happen or there was a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes and, and they're just learning how to edit it down to 42 minutes. Oh, so yeah. I think it's, um, I think the fascination is still there because it, it really resonated and, and changed TV as we know it. I mean, it's just, um, I mean, what can I say? The show is <laughs> nobody expected it to become what it was. And that season was still the highest rated season of all time. That's nuts. I remember my little sister came home one day from high school or, and I can't remember, like her senior year in high school or something. She's like, look, you're in my psychology book. Ah. <laughs> And oh it was like us, I think it was like right when we arrived, you know, getting off the bamboo raft or something. And it was, you know, talking about, you know, using survivor as like a psychological teaching tool to high school kids now. And wow. Super yeah. random, but I take improv classes here in Chicago and tonight I'm seeing an improv show with a bunch of my friends and it is, they picked it. I did not. It is improvised survivor. Oh my gosh, how funny. On a stage doing Survivor. I'm like, this this show has been such like a cultural phenomenon and has inched and embedded its ways into so many different aspects of life. Yeah. No, you're right. That's really funny because I remember when I first moved to Mexico and, uh, you know, there was somebody was, you know, there from America and they had made a reference to like, um, something about Toto or like, we're not in Kansas anymore. And, you know, I got it and the like three other American people got it, but you know, the, the Mexican people we were hanging out with, they were like, what, are you, what? Talking about? Huh? you know, and, and just kind of thinking about like, Oh yeah, wizard of Oz, like everybody, you know, and you can throw something out there like that and somebody will know. And so I catch these weird little like survivor references, like in life. And it's like, Oh, yeah. And you know, that is, it's, it's, a, it's an odd part of culture. And um, I think one time I went to a Halloween party and somebody, I had a mask on, I was a bride of Frankenstein and somebody showed up to the party as me. <laughs> and it was awesome because like they, you know, there was not like, I just went with a friend of a friend of a friend to some, you know, Halloween party. And it they was had like, no idea you were going to no. be there. <laughs> and, and my friends were like, you have to go over and tell them. I was like, no, I don't want to. You didn't, you got it. Like, I did at the end. Around. I did at the end, but <laughs> I kind of, I, I, you know, I, I just enjoyed it like the whole time. Like it was awesome. And you what know, was, was like, okay. Oh, they, you know, they were super, and it, well, the best part was it was a guy. Yeah. It was a dude that was dressed <laughs> up as me and yeah. Oh, he was super nice. And, you know, we took pictures and it was fun, but, um, but yeah, I thought that was funny. Like my dad always jokes. He's like, well, you know, you've made it when somebody dresses up as you as how, you know, for Halloween. <laughs> Are you responsible <laughs> for saying I'm not here to make friends? Yes. I knew you were going to ask that. Yes. <laughs> unfortunately. Yes. I know. You like you were the first person. I mean, I was, I, yeah, (laughs) yes. Apparently, according to whoever judges these things, I was the first person to say that. And that will follow me to my grave because I am so 
it is, but it's so like, that is so not like that was my pre Gretchen vote off. That was where I'm like, right. Screw yeah. everybody. Oh, I'm going to do this thing. And I was like, yeah, no, not. No. I do want to ask just from my fan perspective, um, you've mentioned Jervis and Keith and who, who was one of your like favorite people to play with, like out of your two seasons, who did you have the most fun with? Um, well, you know, Jervis, uh, Jervis, you know, number one. And then, um, second time around, uh, Kimmy, um, Kimmy's awesome. She's a sweetheart. Um, you know, Jeff Arner's a really good guy too. I know he's had some, you know, right. stuff. I don't keep up with all of that, but, um, he's a good guy. We're friends, but you know, we didn't really play together that much, right. You know, all on the, the, on in the, the second seasons, it's all the switches and yeah. Um, so we actually didn't get that much time, but, um, you know, Kimmy and I spent a lot of time together and she's a, girl uh, she's you would love her like she is a very interesting and just a solid lady mom you know? maybe we need to do season two and talk to yeah Kimmy. well yeah if you oh, if yeah, you, yeah. Let's Kimmy's- try to figure out what to what to do <laughs> talk about tv and film but Kimmy is great I yeah I love her in Africa awesome. Kim, Kimmy's great. Jervis is great. Terry, uh, Terry Dietz Terry is Dietz. awesome. We, we still stay in touch and, um, you know, check in on Danny and everything. And my son Rio, he's like obsessed with, he wants to be a Navy pilot currently at the moment. Oh, so, you know, we tap into, I'm like, well, you know, Terry, he was like, he was top gun, you know? So we, oh, wow. you know, like, Terry will send, um, uh, videos of him flying to Rio, but honestly, I, I really was was close with a production more than anything. I'm still really good friends with a lot of the production people um, because, like you said, I mean they. Let me put it to you this way: you know, season one there was three people, so we had our camp. You know, each team had their camp, and we had um, a camera, a producer, a sound, with us, and that's it all the time. And, Yep. And they would be there for three days and then they had their tents, you know, like a little further away from our camp, but they stayed with us for three days and then they would swap out and we would get a producer, a sound, a camera for three days. And it would just be those two teams and they would switch every three days. And then when you would go to the games, there would be a lot more people. But second time around, there was 14 people with a boom mic hanging over me and like you're sitting in the rain and I just like I feel really kind of feel bad for you guys because like this is boring like we're not doing anything and you all are having to stand here like the production is so different did it feel different that second time like you're walking into you know like it was a little independent film and now you're doing this huge big blockbuster Oh yeah. Yeah. It it was so different. And, you know, things like, yeah, it was like, you know, and and even the players, they were like, so did you like, did you really have to, like, you guys had to like walk places. Like, did you really have to walk to tribal council? I was like, well, well, yeah. Like, what what do you do? do? Oh no, they take you on a boat. Like they drive you really? to the others. <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah. Oh. I oh thought so. No, it's, so it's not as, so, okay. So I thought that, you know, there's, because this is me because guys, I don't know, but <laughs> you know, you got, you did get to show up with some rice and you had some things that you could grab off the ship, but then in subsequent um, seasons, did they get less or did they? Oh gosh, there's so much food. There's so much food now. Like we, we literally had fruit rotting 
the second time around, there's so much food. Um, and that was the thing the first time around. So because Borneo was so dangerous and gnarly and like you couldn't collect rainwater and in the island where they put us because the canopy is so huge that nothing grows so it's not like you can go harvest a tomato or pick a fruit um they had to actually give us something because uh, you know we're going to starve to death and so they gave us rice the first time around and, and jeff said it was unlimited unlimited supply of rice so finally, by the time we made fire day three, we were just like rice, 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 like all day long, 24 hours rice, because it's never going to stop. They're going to keep giving us rice. And after we had gone through, I think it was 10 pound bag of rice and we had gone through at least half in the first few days, Jeff came and he said, well, you know, that's all you get. Well, yeah. We were what? like, no, 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 no. You said it was unlimited. And he was like, no, I didn't never said that. And we were all, I mean, it wasn't just me. Everyone. I didn't imagine it. Oh yeah. We were like, no, you said it wasn't limited. And he was like, well, no, well, that's all you get. Like whether, you know, he never caught to saying it or not. We all knew he said he was like, that's it. So that's all we had. Why? So then we had to go on super, super extreme ration and you know it was bad like it got to a point where and i think it said in the tabloid somewhere like you know i i led the strike i led the charge of the players that you know we refuse to play unless they give us food which we did but and maybe i did i probably did i don't remember but um it, we did you know it, it got to the point where we're like well, we can't we physically can't yeah. go climb up this wall and do the thing. Right. Like we were, we were bad off. Um, and that was, you know, we, Mark Burnett pulled us aside at the end. He was like, okay, so if we do this again, like, you know, let's survey, what should we do differently? We are like, you've got to give these people more food. Like right. there has to be more food. So there was a lot of food the second time around for That's sure. So <laughs> interesting. Cause we, we've been rewatching the whole first season. And I said, it looks like they're given so much more food because you guys had cans of things and all that stuff. And in the later seasons, they don't show any cans of food or anything like that. Like they make it seem like they have way less. Well, so every, the cans, that was a reward that we won. I think that was the supply drop. Um, mm, okay. And uh, there was, um, there was cans of dog food that oh, washed yes. up on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we ate it and that was awful. Um, but there was a supply drop where we, we got uh, hammocks and some toilet paper and like spices and a couple of cans of food. Um, but other than that, you know, our reward challenges the first time around was like, you know, we, we got the spear and the mask and snorkel or like a letter from home. But, um, and there started to be towards the end of the first season, because again, we told product, we were like, you have like, we you have, have to have more food. More. Yeah. So then, then they were like, okay, you know, we have to, um, you know, cause I think, I think the first, I think it was the first one I won was beer was the beer in the bar with Jeff. And, and right. I was like, you got to give me food, dude. I'm not going for, I'm not showing up just for Budweiser. Like you have to give me something more. <laughs> I heard on his, I, I just happened to listen to um, Jeff's podcast this last week, knowing that we were going to talk to you. And he told the story about how that episode was because Budweiser is doing product placement. The representatives were there. Here's the episode. The reward is going to be one beer. And he said, we found out from the, from everyone that they were like, this is not a good enough reward. We're not interested mm -hmm. in one beer. No. And they had to think on their feet really quick. And they came up with, 
letting you watch five minutes and they had to create that bar. Yeah. Very quickly. And yeah, told you. And, 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 and I thought brought out that plate of like pasta. Yeah. It was like macaroni with red sauce. Yeah. And well, it's funny because the locals were like, what, like, what the hell are these people doing? You know, they just thought we were nuts. And um, yeah, so that bar was actually product, like where production that was their base camp. Yeah. And so, yeah, they blindfolded me. They boated me around in circles where they were still like building this bar. And then we get there and I'm like, Oh yeah, there's some random bar on like, a bar we're in, in the, the middle, middle of nowhere. Like, yeah. So yeah. you were kind of in, all the in locals show up there. Yeah. I mean, I knew it was, you know, fabricated, but even still, he was like, Oh yeah. And I'm like, I don't even like Bud. You know, I was like, yeah, I don't even just like, one like, beer. Oh. Is not right. Like one, one beer. And like I get to watch the episode in a bar, like, no. A I was case like, of beer. Come on. Or something, you know, or yeah, I was, I did. I was like, can I bring a case back to camp? And they were like, no, like there was no sharing of anything. And um, yeah. but you know, like going back to when you were talking about editing. So, you know, seeing that first episode, it was like. Maybe like that, like that movie Spaceballs or whatever, where he's like, wait, it's, it's happening. It's right now. No, that's mm-hmm. us like right now, you know, and just even looking at the opening credits. And um, I think it was Dirk who really stood out to me because seeing him on the opening credits and then seeing him you know, that day I was like, he lost so much weight, right? Oh, he, yeah. He and Jervis, you know, being, you know, tall and, and, and bigger, it, it really showed on them and they had a really hard time, um, with no food. And, um, you know, that was kind of a big moment, uh, for Jervis when, um, it was the barbecue challenge. We had to like go into the spider web. And it was funny Mm -hmm. because I'm still really good friends with, um, the guy who is in charge of all the games. And just hearing, just hearing them talk about figuring it out and, you know, just again, having a lot of respect for production, because obviously everything you see, there's somebody 10 feet ahead of you running, filming it. And I saw a dude fall off a cliff, you know, trying to get the shot in the jungle. And I mean, he was fine, but like, they work so hard. Yeah, They really work so hard. And, um, you know, then it was all like rope and they had to tie up this giant spider web. Well, it's so tropical. I mean, I think he said the course broke like three times before we even got to do it because it was, it would just break like the moisture and the air, the rope would just fall apart. And he was like, I was just hoping that it didn't break when we actually made it to the challenge. Cause they would have to set it up and practice and see if it really worked. And But that was one of those times where Jeff had said, okay, you got to go here and get the thing and get the thing and get the thing. And then you have to get back to the middle before you can win. And I totally wasn't listening. It was like third grade, like listen to all the instructions before you take action. And I did not. I was like, I'm going here. I'm going, I was planning my route and I was done. I was done like a minute and 30 seconds before anybody else, but I wasn't listening to the part where I had to get to the middle before I won and Colleen, she didn't even have all of her things. Somebody else had one of her things. 
No, that was that one. was one. Um, no, it was this giant rope spider. It was like the rope course. Oh, earlier on. Yeah, okay. and we had to run, and you, you each person had um, like a number or a color or something. Yeah, and you had to, and we had like a little fanny pack, and uh-huh. we had to go to each station and get your color and put it in your fanny pack. But it was uh, it was like I don't know six feet up off the ground. If you fell, you had to start over. And if some, if you grabbed somebody else's, it counted against you. And if they grabbed yours. And so, you know, I was plotting this whole thing. Well, Colleen, somebody had already grabbed hers. So technically she was done by default and Mm -hmm. I had already had mine. And I was standing there yelling at Jeff going, I'm done. I'm done. He's like, well, you got to get to the middle. And Colleen was closer to the middle. So anyway, so she won and it was like, I totally could have won. I should have won, but I didn't because I wasn't listening and I didn't pay attention and it was a barbecue. And I think, I think that was the first like big food reward that we got because I think, you know, there was like the random can supply drop that was dog food. Um, And Jervis, like he took that one hard. He was really upset and we were, and, you know, Colleen invited Jenna. And so they were going to go eat, you know, fried chicken and all this stuff. And he was like, he was mad. He he like needed it. Probably he he needed it. And he was hangry, but he, (laughs) I remember it was like, okay, we have to walk back to camp because it's getting dark and a storm's coming. And he sat on a log on the beach and was like, no, like he was ready to give up. He was like, I'm not doing this. I can't do it. Like, and he was also worried about like kind of making a fool of himself on TV. That was part of it. He was like, oh, I look like an idiot. And da-da-da. I was like, Hey, if anybody looks like an idiot, it's me. Like I'm standing there done and I don't even know the rules. And, you know, I was, he was like, well, I'm not going. And I was like, well, I'm not going either. Like we're both going to sit here and well, I guess we'll sit here all night because I'm not leaving this beach without you and you need to just get over it and let's go. Like, you can have my rice. I was like, I'll give you my rice tonight. And I did because he needed it. And he, um, but yeah, I just remember that being a, that the barbecue, he took the barbecue really hard. <laughs> it seems like you two really created a good bond and friendship there. You know, the the last episode, what he said, and they don't show these behind the scene things, you know, where you're sitting on the log with him and that's just really sweet that you can build like such a genuine relationship in a game that is really about deception. Yeah, it is. And, and, you know, you never know if you're, if you're going to get that or not, you know, like I said, it's like you, you pluck the high school click and in the woods and maybe there's somebody you, you jive with, maybe not, you know, mm-hmm. you hope so. Um, but yeah, he, you know, he ended up being a really, a really, and I always know when his son's birthday is because he was born while we were there and we had cigars, right. which were you got the awful. Cigars. And I puked my brains out later. Oh, wow. but, you know, <laughs> well, God, cigar- talk, yeah. Talking about the finale just at the end when, you know, what, that, so just for, for my own personal, because when I saw when I saw Sue come up to you and it, the whole big thing, everyone saw that you didn't shake her hand. You're like, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah. And then in the reunion, you, I was wondering, well, first I was two things. First, I was wondering what the rest of the evening was like after you guys knew what was going on. Did you immediately get to eat food? And then two at the reunion, you guys said you were okay with each other. And is that still true? So two things. Um, okay. So when like, it happened on Borneo when I found out I lost on Borneo. Um, you know, while it's going on, I'm looking out at 
production because you know everybody's there and it's the final moments and like everyone's holding hands and it's this big tense moment and um when I lost it was like everybody came over to me and just people were crying I mean I was I was surrounded by support and by love and it was like Sue was over there in the corner Sue and Rich nobody gave a crap like it, it I mean it sucked it was heartbreaking but the support and and the love that I did receive from my you know fellow castaways that were you know in my corner but production was just they were like you know oh. okay come on like that's okay and hugged and just all the things all the words of encouragement and they you know got me to a shower and got me a change of clothes and then there was there was like a little rap party and but you know I was like I don't I don't feel like partying. I don't feel like eating. I don't feel like doing anything, but, um, you know, you show up and you kind of smile and you hang out, but just everybody, you know, but the, the big thing was, is everybody kept bringing me Guinness because oh. that's my favorite beer and they actually make Guinness in Malaysia and it's really strong. So people just kept bringing me beers all <laughs> night long and glasses of water, beers and glasses of water, um, was the thing. And so, you know, I mean, that was the best they could do. But, um, and then, yeah, going, going back to that, to the, you know, the finale in Hollywood and, and all that. Um, when, and I don't know if they showed this, but when we came out, you know, cause we had to watch it, you know, backstage or the green room and whatever. And, um, Gretchen was, was really awesome because, you know, I'm sitting on the couch and I, watch that final moment because they're filming us watch that final moment otherwise I was just up running around like I can't look at it and Gretchen was either like sitting right next to me or behind me just you know arms around me and everything and rubbing my back and you know it happened and and everybody was just around me and again Sue was just like over in the corner by herself nobody wanted to talk to her but when we all walked out they bring the final four out and um she came out and the whole audience booed her. Like people could have thrown yeah, tomatoes. They would have, Oh, it happened. And like, and they, Oh, not a single person cheered. She was booed bad. And Has she talked about this ever. Did she ever talk about like, I don't know. Oh. I, I don't know. Um, and when I came out, everybody cheered. So that was, Oh, awesome. there you go. <laughs> yeah. And you know, like I said, it was just like, she made a fool of herself yeah. and that's her deal, not mine. And, you know, I held my head up high and I was like, you know, I'm not like inviting her over for Thanksgiving, but I forgive her. She is who she is and she has to be who she is for the rest right. of her life. And I don't have to ever think about her ever again. Yeah. Um, but she has since, oh God, she sent me gifts and presents and letters and birthday cards and apology stuff. And I think I saw her at like the 10 year, whatever the big thing was. And she, cried her eyes out again and hugged and like, oh, please forgive me. I'm like, Sue, I forgave you a long time ago. You know, it only so, hurts yeah. yourself to hold animosity like that. Oh gosh. Yeah. I, that's what I said. I was like, that's your deal. Not mine. And, right, and yeah. forgive yourself. You know, 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's why I told her. I was like, you Learn need to forgive it. yourself. Yeah. Be a better person. Maybe don't do that again or, you know, treat people better or don't be so angry. Um, but yeah, it's just funny, you know, people still, um, every once in a while, like I'll be at a restaurant or something and you know, the, somebody will server will come over and give me a glass of water. And I'm like, I didn't, you know, and then they'll be like, Oh, it's from that table over there. Cause that's what she said. She said she would never give me a glass of water if I was, you know, dying of thirst. And so I'll just every once in a while I'll get a glass of water, you know, and that's, I, that's really sweet. So I love that. I love it. <laughs> and on the grand Canyon, you pump your water to clean. Oh. <laughs> yes. So, yes. <laughs> do that. Listen, we have, we talked about doing like 30 minutes to an hour and I know that we're all, we're over. Oh that. gosh. I didn't even notice it. <laughs> well, well, thank you. Thank you for staying. But I yeah. have um, a couple voicemails that, you know, I asked the fans for some voicemails, but um, okay. I have a couple and, and one might be, you already answered it, but one of them is from a river guide friend of ours. And in fact, you guys may have worked on this at the same company, but um, the first one is, there's a, just, we just have three. So I'll, oh, I'll sure. no worries. I did a 25 day trip on the Grand Canyon for the month of January, roughly 20 years ago. And we had so many meals of frozen falafel and bagels. And that was pretty much all there was to eat for most breakfasts and lunches. It took me roughly seven years before I was ready to eat bagels and only had falafel for the first time one month ago. So I'm curious, how long did it take you before you wanted to eat rice again? <laughs> I, that's funny. I knew that question was coming. Um, <laughs> uh, rice. Yeah. It took me a real, I still don't, I still can't really eat <laughs> really? just like a bowl of white rice. I eat rice. I eat brown rice. I eat wild rice, but just straight up plain white rice. Um, not, not my favorite, but I can eat it, but it's, it's funny that, um, not very long after I came home from the show, I was visiting family and we had gone out to, um, you know, like the, like the Japanese steakhouse and they're cooking. And, um, we were waiting for them to start cooking. And I was so hungry. I had just been traveling, just got off the plane and I was there with my sisters and, you know, we're at the corner and there's other people on the table and I was just super hungry and they had brought out our bowl of white rice. And I was eating it because I was so hungry and my, and I'm like eating it. And my sister's like elbowing me and she's like, don't look, but those people are, those people are staring at you at the other (laughs) end. And you can hear when the lady was saying to her husband, she's like, look, I, I told, see, she's still eating rice. I told you, I told that's her and she's eating rice. (laughs) You can't uh, go anywhere without rice and water. I know, I know. (laughs) Exactly. Oh my gosh. Okay. That was Maggie. Um, This one's from Sarah. You may have already answered, but I don't know. There we go. Okay. Hi, Kelly. I'm so excited that you are doing this podcast. I am a huge fan of Survivor. And I was wondering if you still talk to people from season one. Kind of answered that a bit. (laughs) Yes, Jervis. Yeah, answered that one, but I didn't know if there's possibly more. But you would have been talking to Rudy, who passed. um, Yes, I I would have been talking to Rudy. We, you know, we would see each other and 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 keep tabs. You know, Christmas and holidays and things like that. So yeah, that's that's true. Okay, so I have one more, and I just love this. Maggie sent a second one because. she, uh, I just thought this was a great way to end the podcast because I think it really sums up. Um, it was a great question. So here you go. 
Hi, Kelly. Hi, Mindy. Hi, CG. My name's Maggie. And my question is, so the very first Survivor was 23 years ago, and so much has changed in the game since 2000. What has stayed with you the longest? And part of that is also, what has been your greatest lesson from this experience? How did it change you? And I'm so curious, how long did it take to process everything you had gone through? Because <laughs> you were like 23 or something when you did this show. And so now that you are not 23 anymore, how have you processed all of what happened to you? A lot of questions in one. A lot of questions. Well, and you know, we 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 talked about it a bit, but um, I mean, I guess I I'm still processing. Would would be part of the answer to that. I'm still, you know, learning from that, and and what's the takeaway? But um, you know, of all the things and all the elements and the people and the the hardships and and whatnot, um, I always kind of have this image and. When I was little, I loved the movie um, Never Ending Story. Have you, have you seen that? <laughs> I mean, it's goofy and, and, and all that, but, you know, it was, I just, it was so cool when I was little. And it was, you know, it was kind of new, like, technology, I guess, back then and, you know, all the special effects. But, um, you know, I just remember the, you know, Atreyu, the warrior, and he has to go through all the challenges and he goes through this swamp, you know, sadness swamp. And, and then, you know, the, the, he has to like be pure of heart to go through the laser statues. And, um, and of course, you know, I'm out there and I have nothing but time on my hands. So I'm like equating this to that. And oh yeah, there's, like you were saying, you know, some days it's a one and some days there's a 10 and some days you're the hero and some days not so much. And so I felt like, you know, I went through the swamp sadness and the lasers and the, this and that, but I always remember the final, his final challenge was, and I just remember it being cold. I think, I don't know if he had to go through snow or whatever, but I just remember it being white and cold and he goes through and then he gets to the thing and, and the, the big challenge is, is it's a giant mirror. And that's his final challenge is this big mirror. And he has to look at himself in the mirror. Hmm. And to me, that's, that was like, that was the biggest takeaway is can I look myself in the eye and be proud of who I am and what I did. And it's not, you know, it's not about surviving the elements or the people or TV or production. It, um, it was really about surviving myself. Right. You said that, you said that at one point you said, I'm, I'm doing this on my own. And actually that's so powerful. That's such an amazing lesson. Yes. Our lives are defined by our connections and our relationships, but if we but most problems can be solved by working on ourselves, surviving the best way we can and mm -hmm. sticking to that moral code. So, and those ethics, that's important. At the end of the day, you are all you have. So yeah. if you, if you can't, you know, live with yourself, then. Exactly. And, and it does, you know, cause that's when you think about it, you know, people are like, oh, this is me in the game and I'm really great in real life. And it's like, well, 
that, yeah, that's just 39 days of your life, but think how much it puts, you know, think going back to that ripple effect. Like I had no idea that this random thing that my mom made me do that I never thought would ever be on TV. Oh, guess what? You know, it's like, you get ready to go to your house and you're like, Oh, I'm just running to the store. I'm going to put my hair up in a bun. And, you know, turns out, I mean, you know, you being obviously in Hollywood a lot, like you never know what's going to happen and you kind of want to put your best foot forward. Right. So, you know, thinking about it like that, like I, I never, no one planned for it to be what it was. And, and turns out it, it it was what it was. And especially now being a mom and he's nine, he, he, he's, he's never seen it, but he's kind of starting to kind of get what it is and what it was and like what I did and, you know, kids at school or especially like parents are like, Oh my gosh, like your mom, you know? Yeah. And so it's kind of, it's, I'm sure we'll have more conversations about it as he gets older, but now I'm like, well, think about what if I, what if I had been different? What if I hadn't been me or what if I had played really mean and dirty? Is that something I, I want to go through the rest of my life having to defend or having to live with or having now my son, um, this affects his life too now. And hopefully he can be proud of who I am now and, and what I'm doing now, but also proud of, of what I did then. Right. Even those who have actually did, you know, maybe um, betray themselves or make some questionable uh, uh, choices during this process. Um, even those people, I would, I would offer that you're still just a flawed human being all we can do is learn and try to be better in the future um, and learn from our experiences because I, I think mistakes and such are just as important as our successes. And that's what, what really makes us. And, um, but, but on Absolutely. that, note, what would you And, and no them? judgment on them either, you know, yeah. for, you know, and, and, and I want to, you know, I want to be clear on that. Like no, no, no harsh talk or no, no, no bad judgment on anybody who plays the game, however they feel that they need to, because, you know, and I don't know who everybody is and whatnot, but I've met people at certain other things and like, oh, they're fantastic people. And then, oh, well, so they were so mean on the thing. And I'm like, well, they were really nice just now when I met them and they have kids. And, you know, I think um, Cass, uh, who I was on Cambodia with, like I, she had a horrible reputation for they made being her out to be off. Awful. Well, they made her out to be awful on Cambodia from what I heard, but I guess whatever she had played before they made her out. They made her kind of awful as well. Yeah. But she was, you know, she was a really nice lady and a mom and, you know, she would talk about her kids a lot. And, and, you know, I, I thought she was a really great lady. It shows the characters they make out of people in the show. Totally. But, you know, did she do some pretty kind of heinous things while we were there? Yeah, she did. You know, I'll, I'll admit that too. And that's where I'm like, well, they, they, you can't make something out of nothing. You know, they can't make you to be this hideous, awful human. If you're really like, you know, snow white all the time, like that's just not possible. Right. Right. So there's some truth <laughs> in there somewhere, right? I don't know. Well, then I guess my last question would be, what would you tell your younger self if you could talk to her? Your 22 uh, year old self. 
You know, that's a great question. And that's something, you know, I I've asked myself, like, what would I do different? And what would I say? And you know, not a damn thing. Um, you did great girl. You did it. Thank you. Uh, you know, I think I I had to, I had to, like you said, and, and I love that you made that point because I'm a big believer in like, if you don't have, you have to have the conflict to know what you, you have to know what you don't want to know what you do. And if you're never put in those situations and if you never, you know, have that conflict, you can never be better. You can never be better. You can never want better. You can never know the other side of the coin. And I had to go through all of that to end up where I was there and to be where I was now. So, um, I don't think I would do anything any differently. I, you know, I think I would just be, you know, tell myself like, you're going to be okay. You got like, you're going to be, you don't know this. You don't know it's going to be okay, but it's going to be okay. And you're going to be okay. (laughs) Yeah. You got this man. You got this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This many years later, it's amazing. Um, Hey, before we go, Adam, I just wanted to introduce oh, you to my husband yeah. because you guys are the same age. I mean, he, he learned, um, on the American river, I think that's where I did my night school. Yeah. And that's where he did his. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And, um, uh, my friend Maggie that left her message. So she just auditioned for survivor. In fact, Oh, nice. and she, she, she actually, worked, I didn't know that. Yeah. She worked on whitewater. Hey, I bought him that shirt. She worked at whitewater voyages with her sister. That's where I worked. And she was like, I think they worked together. Her sister. What's her sister's name? Um, hi. Here, hold on. hi Adam. Here's name it's is nice Sonia. to meet you. Sonia. I know a Sonia that worked with Whitewater Voyages. She actually lives um because I, I live in Truckee and uh she was actually my kids um PE teacher. Yeah, but exactly. I don't know if what's uh, I do I don't know if her sister Hodges Hodges oh Hodges oh, is married now to Dan Martin, so she's probably Sonia Martin. Yep. And she's one of my neighbors. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So funny. Yeah. 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 She was my son's PE teacher at uh, um, Sierra Expeditionary Learning School in oh, Truckee. Wow. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I know them. I know her and Dan. Totally. Um, we didn't work. Um, so she worked on the Kern a bit too. Um, I think she had quit working there like the year before I arrived. But um, oh my gosh. Yep. Yeah, totally. Well, it's nice to meet you. This is Adam. Very nice to meet you. Hi, Adam. Hi. Um, so yeah, you, you were on the road for quite a bit. That's where I spent most of my guiding career. Yeah. I went to college at UC Davis, got my feet wet as a river guide on the South Fork of the American. Oh yeah. Yeah. The American, she said she did guide school there. Yep. Same for me. Yep. And, yep. And, yep. Uh, I did my, I did my guide school with voyages there in 99 and um, worked mostly on the Kern, but, but worked, you know. All, pretty much wow. all California rivers. Um, I actually just did, I do a trip with, um, there's that my friend has a foundation in San Francisco called me water where they take, um, you know, different groups at risk youth and different kids with, um, you know, different levels of, uh, challenges and surfing. But just the last three years we've started doing rafting. So we do, um, two days on the South Fork. So I just did that, um, a couple of weekends ago. So yeah, good old South Fork. It's fun. Well, Adam, Adam Adam actually teaches at a um, private boarding school and they take kids to the Rogue and they just went to the Kern. So nice, you guys, we're talking about getting CG to go and we'll have to, when CG moves back to the Kern at some point, 
We'll yeah. have to, are you still going? Do you still do the current? Yeah. Yeah. Actually we, we went, um, we went for my birthday in June. Um, cause our kids didn't get out of school till, um, gosh, when did Rio get oh, June 23rd? They didn't get out of school till the 23rd. So we oh, left right. on the, yeah, we had so many snow days, but, um, yeah, we went for a week at the end of June, but, um, I mean, you'll get this. Well, it was, it was like at 5,700, but, um, I just thought like, oh, like we'll just show up and there'll be like high water. Like there'll be so tons of people. And there was like, nobody, nobody, no, I mean, there was like Sierra South and voyages were doing like the lickety runs. And that was it. Like nobody was boating. There was like hardly anybody in town and I couldn't find anybody to do shuttle. <laughs> so I was kind of surprised, but it, it was pretty high. So we just did a bunch of powerhouses because I didn't, you know, I couldn't really do anything else with Rio and, but it was fun. I mean, you know, it was great just to be there and whatnot. We went up to Brush Creek cause I was trying to see if I could, he's learning to kayak. So, um, I thought maybe we could do a little brush Creek section, but it was, yeah. it was way too high, but it was cool. Cause he had never been, you know, to the Kern and That's, to go see be it and everything, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I haven't been since I was two years younger than Rio. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, but I'm hoping, um, I'm hoping to, to, we're hoping to do, um, a rogue trip before school starts. So I hope we can, um, I loved it. I did the, do that. the rapid that you get out of the boat and you swim in. Uh, a blo- blossom bar? bar lower black bar oh okay yeah yeah nice. little, I, I saw her little head going by and i was like what and and oh it was a, well it was kind of a not a private trip it was kind of a we we chartered the whole trip mm-hmm. and we had like seven seven-year-olds and they were all doing this and i was like <laughs> it was a little bit pushing the age limit it was a little too young in my mind uh-huh. <laughs> i i loved yeah. it so and <laughs> well yeah we should we i would love well, to I, that would be great it would be lovely lovely to see you in person and yes. something like that and be part of that so that um, would be great well, yeah, let me know. Keep in touch. And um, if you guys ever, um, you know, make it up to the America, are, are you in LA? We're in Ventura, actually. Oh, you're in Ventura. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We're, um, you know, we might come back down in August for another Kern. And then if you're ever up, you know, we're in Truckee. So give mm-hmm. a shout if you're ever up and we can um, meet on the American. That would be amazing. Or whatever. That'd be really That's fun. Yeah. We've been yeah. talking about it. CG just, yeah. I mean, he's getting to the American is, is quite easy. Just one little. Done the American. Fine with me. Yeah, no. Well, I'm when gonna... I move back, I'm not going to have a job, so I'm going to have lots of free time. Well, there you go. You should be a river guide. No. Rockstar, <laughs> fireman, river guide. Right? There you go. <laughs> well, you Kelly, know. thank you. Thank you, Kelly. It was really nice to meet you, too. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming and talking to us. This has been so much fun. Yes. Thank, thank you. you. My pleasure. I really appreciate you inviting me. And it was so nice to, to meet you both. Um, very lovely. And I hope, I hope we get to, um, I hope we, I hope we get to see you in person and, and talk more. So I mean, that I think, it's, I think there's something, one of the things that's really important. Did you say this, that gosh, I, I, I do so much, you know, preparation for this, but one of the most important things in life is having experiences. And I think that's one of the things that CG got to do one trip, but she hasn't had as many. And um, now that she's a little bit older, CG, I think, I think it would be amazing if you ever get the chance to do the Grand Canyon or, I mean, obviously the Kern, you can do day trips or you can spend yeah. out there and and Cindy Miggins, you know, Cindy, she has a house out there. So we oh, have, cool. we, 
you know, I think there's something there's something so pure about river rafting because especially if you're on the rogue and there's no there's no um, electronics or anything, there's mm-hmm. no phone service or anything. All you can do is do something collectively as you get down the river and then you sit around the campfire and you sing songs and it's it's it changed my life. It really did after doing a show in in Hollywood and I. I remember going on this trip going, I don't want to be here. Gosh, it's the end of the summer. And, and we had another strike coming up. It was 2007. And all of a sudden on the first day, I was like, I'm in paradise. Like people right. do this for a living. And it just, I became obsessed. And then I got it. And then unfortunately I got a little more intimidated when, when things got a little dangerous a couple of times, <laughs> but, sure. uh, but to this day, it's still, um, it's just an amazing group of people who do what they do for a living and they do it for fun at the same time. Any chance they get, they go off and do these trips. So, yeah. Yeah. And it, it, you know, now, you know, it's great to, it's great to do it as a family. Like now, I mean, I'm not, you know, I haven't done class five in a long time because I have my son and, you know, I just, and I haven't kayaked in a long time because he hasn't been ready. So now that he's finally kayaking, like I just finally started kayaking again. And I'm like, I don't even know if I know how to roll. Like I'll probably swim if I get flipped over, but uh-huh. now, you know, being able to, to share that with him, but um, I'll just throw it out there. If, if, you know, hopefully both of you, if you want to, if you have any interest in um, coming to India ah. with us next year, um, CG, that would be amazing. Yeah. 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 I so do that in an instant. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, you know, I'll send you more info, but um, it would be great. It would be great to have you have you both or, you know, would love to have you come along. It would be awesome. Wow. That's amazing. Wow, thank you for the invitation. Oh, of course. Yeah. She spent her yeah, college yeah. years during pandemic. You know, I've been aching for travel anywhere. So, and just, you know, getting the chance to do what you're doing in India, I think doing that anywhere would be such a great experience. And wow, actually, I might take you up on that. All right. (laughs) And and where again is it? Are you doing this? So we go, um, we go to, we start off in Rishikesh. So we, we fly, um, we fly Delhi to Rishikesh. We spend two days in Rishikesh, just you know, getting acclimatized and, um, kind of do a little tour in Rishikesh. And then from there we drive into, um, it's the Southeastern part of the Himalay. I have to keep saying the word tamale because that's what the locals kept telling me. They, they don't call it the Himalayas. They call it the Himalay, like tamale. So (laughs) I have to keep tamale. Um, it's called the Cardenath, uh, part of the national forest there. So we start off there and we hike, um, we do three days of trekking. So we go little by little by little, and then we camp along the way. First night is like actual tent camping, but they have a lovely campsite. And then the second two nights you have, it's like your own little yurt with like a bathroom and everything. And uh, we hike from there. And then the third day we summit, it's called Chandrashila Peak. And uh, Chopta is the mountain range. And that's at 12,500 feet. Wow. But we work, we work our way up, but we go up there and we, beautiful temple and um, we summit and then we come back down. And then from there, we go to the upper Ganges, which they call the Ganga. And then we raft three days down the Ganga and raft and camp. And it's like, it's like class three plus rapid, like nothing 
nothing major, um, but really fun. It's more, uh, more scenery and side hikes and waterfalls and stuff than, you know, actual, I think that, you know, the last day is when we have like the two biggest rapids, but um, I had never been to India before. And this was something we had been working on um, pre COVID. And then that, you know, stalled and actually worked better because Rio was a little bit older to, you know, to go, I mean, I would have brought him anyway, but he handled it. He handled it really well, but I just, you know, in my head, I just, you know, you think of the Ganges river and you're kind of like, Ooh, it's a little, yeah. um, but the upper is gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's clean. It's clear. Um, you can swim in it, you know? So, um, so yeah. So then, and then we do uh, two days at an Ayurveda uh, retreat spa on the back end. Um, there you and, go. You know, spa treatments and lovely food and um you can bring you know, a rain all of that oh what is it called a sun shower cg is it called sun I don't shower if i'm doing this i'm i'm going all in i don't need one of those little bag showers <laughs> yeah. i showered yeah. in the creek on the rogue <laughs> yeah we should we, you know you wash in the river and then on yeah. the hikes um the first night is the only night you don't have like water yeah. or like a, it's, that sounds you know, like it's an amazing trip as long as there's no non-stop storm where my my fingers are gonna prune and no <laughs> and the food the food was amazing like I thought that would be an issue with Rio I thought I was gonna have to bring like peanut butter and jelly the whole time but he's pretty adventurous with this food but they um and this is where I was like man you kind of have it made as a guide like just in terms of like the work that you have to do because you know, when I worked as a commercial guide, like, you know, you guide the raft and then you do kitchen and then you do camp and then you're doing dishes and everything. And so there, the way they have it, like the guide is the guide, like you're the guide, you're talking with the clients and you're leading the track and guiding the raft. And then there's a kitchen crew that's just the kitchen crew and they just make the food. And we had the most lovely, it was actually this Nepalese man and his son that did our food. And Oh, it was so good. Wow. So it was like camp food times a million. It was delicious. (laughs) That that sounds amazing. As you described it, I wasn't quite picturing it. So thank you for taking the time to describe it. That's like, yeah, yeah. And then my, yeah. And then my, my friend, so I, my, that, you know, we're going to be, so we're doing that trip and then we're going to be doing the guide school on the back end. but, um, she's an Ayurveda doctor. So she does like a little seminar at night. And then I teach a yoga class every morning. So we have our daily yoga and then we do our activity and then, you know, we have Ayurveda and yummy chai and food at the end of it. That sounds amazing. And that, that, that's say no more. (laughs) Say no more. Yeah, Yeah, CG. That's you. You've never taken any time off um, to to travel. That sounds like an amazing, amazing thing, Kelly. This was beyond lovely. And I'm so glad we took the time to explore. Of course, we're uh, here to celebrate something that was pretty significant in the world of television, but also just your story and your passions and your humanitarian being a humanitarian and and just everything you do. Um, it's very inspiring. And I think, um, and people can learn and, and from, from your example. And I know I'm walking away more inspired to do more in the world. And me too. I just, you know, (laughs) you, you watch people on TV, but you don't actually see who they are or get to know know them. And so this conversation with you has been probably my favorite interview we've done on this podcast. So just thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. 
Oh gosh, thank you so much again. I'm I'm really honored that you that you invited me and I'm and I'm really happy to get to know both of you. So thank yeah. you. Thank you again. Oh, wow. I look thank forward you. to serendipitous. To, yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm absolutely. sure. And if you're ever yeah. in town, you know Cheryl always has her little parties. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Cheryl's parties. Cheryl's. Well, actually, I don't know if she's doing them so much anymore. But anyway, anyways. <laughs> but yes, um, and Dave always has tickets to the Hollywood Bowl. He, yeah. I know. I'm like you. Every time I see you, are living there, man. That's so funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, well, I can't keep you another moment, and I'm so grateful that this lasted this long because it was kind of it's the highlight of my week <laughs> so much. You. Okay. Well, well okay. I think, um, hi Lucy. Uh, I, know, I, was like, but so I, I really think that we're going to meet in person um, someday soon and maybe it'll be India, but, or on the current soon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you again. And, um, and I look forward to, to talking to you again soon and yeah, just l- let me know when this, um, uh, yes. it's when this comes out and, and everything. And, um, yes, I think oh, it'll be in a couple months. Few weeks. I'm kind of, months? Huh? Well, I don't know. I'm not sure okay. exactly where we are. I think it'll be at least three weeks, maybe more. So okay. in her schedule. Don't so. ask me. Okay. Well, good luck with your arm. Uh, I'm oh, sorry to you. hear that, but I hope you get better soon. It's just two so weeks. We so, okay. Yeah, two weeks. <laughs> okay, good. All right, two weeks. And then, um, yeah, if you guys are snow people, ski people, um, you know, we're, we're up there in the snow. So give a yeah. shout if you're ever up that way. Another thing I haven't done since I was six years old, yes. I think. Yeah. Ski, so. Do you ski or snowboard or both? I think I ski. <laughs> it's funny, we didn't. I, I've i only skied twice in my life. I don't remember. Uh, okay. You could still learn, although, yeah. They're, they're, yeah maybe maybe give it a few months once I'm fully healed. Yeah. But yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I would love awesome. to do that too. So many adventures. Okay. Awesome. Oh, well, thank, thank you again. You, thank Take you care. Thank you. Kelly. You too. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Thank you.